Josh, welcome to another episode of 115 Miles. We are in a new virtual studio today. How did you find it? I thought it was very good. I enjoyed the studio. Uh, it was nice to get stuck into Boris Johnson and, and him leaving, taking the exit. Uh, so, yeah, nice conversation about uh, our first podcast post-Boris. Yeah, um, we talked about uh, the candidates that are lining up to replace him and the fact that actually there are a surprising amount of people from an ethnic minority, but actually how progressive are they? Um, yeah. We also um, talked about kind of the notion of feeling out of control and, and how to kind of address that. Um, what did you find was the kind of the most... Um, important moment or the highlight for you in this I think there was a lot of good takeaways people there's actually I think there's real some real actionable stuff that people are going to need to listen to um but they'll have some stuff that they can really take away uh that are going to be able to help them if they are ever struggling with feelings of of being out of control so I thought that was a really meaningful part of the conversation and I very much enjoyed it has where can people find us Josh, they can find us at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram and all the usual outlets to listen to podcasts on Thank you. We'll see you all very soon. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different. But we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Josh! Like <laughs> <laughs> old school. We just had a countdown on our new recording software, so we weren't ready for it. We're, so we're we? in... We're in, this is slightly different because we are now using some sort of software that means that even though we're not in the studio, we're in the online studio. So it does already has feel more pro. a bit better. feels more pro. It does. Do you know yeah. what? I knew you were going to, uh, I knew you were going to bring the guns today. I knew it. The heat. You were going to, so you're going to blame mate. the heat. It is do you have, so hot. Do you have plenty of fans in the house? I've got fans all over the world, Has. <laughs> <laughs> only, only fans uh mate do you how sleep many times how many times have you used that joke in the last all the time seven man days? like all the time i use it all the time um do you have the fan on at night no we wow. only have one we only have one fan and erin's refusing to purchase more because this is a passing this is a passing moment mate we've got fans so the kids have got the youngest two have got little clip-on fans in their on their bunk bed, yeah. and a fan in their room. Uh, my other two kids both have a fan each in their room, and I just bought this big. It's called ultra silent, like long-standing fan that I leave on all night. It's not silent is, remotely. Is it ultra silent? Oh, okay, no, yeah. So, but that's for Leah odd. because I listen to noises during the day anyway like brown noise and binaural noises that sometimes just like, are just like a replica of as, as if there's a fan on the go. What's brown noise? Just like... That's white noise, isn't it? Oh, it's all different types. I don't know, mate. Oh, wow. I, I never knew that there was anything about white noise. I thought white noise was just that sort of... My sound. teenage daughter introduced me to brown noise. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, I'd like to see that you're keeping hydrated, Josh, in these hot times. What do you think about the heat wave? Water. Uh, what do I think? I love it, mate. I love it. I love it. A lot of people I wish don't. we were set up. I wish we were set up so that we had aircon, so you could escape it. Yeah, that's the only thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like well, they it's they relentless. reckon it's going to hit forty degrees, which and that you know it might be a bit more consistent that level of heat in the summer. So we're going to really struggle because we're not equipped for that level of heat, you know, because yeah. global warming means we're going to have serious air conditioning challenges in the future. Oh, just bring on the challenges. 
That's what we need, more challenges. We more challenges that are going to cost more money. We were uh, born uh, for challenges, me and you. They, they, right. they, I heard on the radio this morning that they're going to, they're bringing out the gritters to lay light sand to, 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 to like soak up the access or excess uh, tarmac for when it, because it's going to melt. Anyway, so, uh, where, where, have you got where, a fan on there, by the way? No, why? Can you hear something? Yeah. It's just some brown noise. You should hear, right? <laughs> it's not brown, <laughs> it's mate. It's white. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I think what we've just done there, by the way, is just do what every Brit has done for the last, uh, 10 days really, which is just to talk about the weather, you know, cause that's all, all we do when it warms up a little bit. Right. Yeah. So yeah. let's get, now that we've got that out of the way. And the rest of the world takes the piss out of us, don't they? Whenever yeah. you're work, whenever I do in a, uh, like, uh, anything in America, the first, when I come on, the first thing they say is, Hey Josh, we, do you want us to talk about the weather? That was my American accent. Really good, really Thanks. good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, where should we go, Josh? Boris. It's, it's, it's your week, mate. Yeah, you know the you know the fucking rules. So, so. Boris Johnson <laughs> is going. He's not going gone yet. Going. How going. do you feel? I'm. 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 A lot of our listeners have been um, uh, texting me saying, "Oh, I wonder what you're gonna. You know, can't wait to hear you and." Josh talk about Boris. So, <laughs> how are you feeling about Bojo? Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not. I, I don't feel a sense of like, yes, he's gone because he's only going to be replaced by, I don't know, somebody else who's, uh, you know, just as bad as him. Really, that's how disillusioned I am with the whole thing. So, look, I think it's a good thing that he's gone. Um, but even when he did his like stepping down speech, he like it was like he thought he was. He still thinks he's Winston Churchill that's just yeah. won the war, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah, he taught. It was like he was celebrating. Yeah. Well, what he's doing there is setting himself up for uh, life after office, right? Because you know, yeah. you know, being a disgraced prime minister is probably not going to get in his way. But he's kind of you know he's he's been touting his successes so he can have a book tour and do high level consultancy and you know, get paid the big, the big bucks. Do you think he done office. any, do you think he done anything good in his reign? Genu like, let's, let's ask ourselves a difficult question because we both are Boris haters, right? So, um, do you think he did anything good? Um, I mean, I think you're going to, you may disagree with it because I know you're not a big fan of the, uh, forced, forced vaccine mandates, but, uh, I think the way that they rolled out the vaccinations, uh, you know, that's probably a good thing, you know, in the scheme of uh, his tenure. Other than that, nothing. No. What about you? I mean, look, there's a whole conversation around the vaccines without going into that conversation. I think if rolling out and, you know, jabbing, the hell out of everybody was the right thing to do, right? Whether that was, or even if it was the right thing to do, which everyone seems to have assumed that it was, um, even that really was a massive gamble with loads of money. Do you know what I mean? It was, just, it was a gamble that happened to pay off. So, you know, it, like even that, you can sort of question and just say, was it the right thing to do? Um, there's a whole interesting thing around the thing with COVID because everybody now knows that Boris and the whole team around him were compulsive liars that lied about everything. But everybody still believes that everything he said about COVID was true. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Um, but... Go on, say something nice about him, Josh. Go can on. I find anything he did that was good? Um, yeah, I think he outed the Tory party for what they really are. That was a good thing. So like in, I don't think in, any inadvertently. Of them, I, don't, I don't think any of them have come out well. Yeah. But having said that, they've been in power now for twelve years, and every prime minister within that twelve years has ended up resigning. That's forced to resign. Yeah. Forced to resign, right? Was forced to resign, like. Yeah. And they don't, yet, get, they don't get to the end and go. Ah, oh, okay. I think my, I've, done, I've done everything I can do, but they they they're forced out. They're forced out. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was like a mini, um, 
I mean, it, he took his power, right? His, he held onto his power. Well, he's still holding onto it, Boris, hasn't he? Isn't he? But he held onto it, like, literally as long as he could. Yeah. Um, and because we've spent the last year or two as people, haven't we, going, this is it. He'll go now. He yeah. has to go now. Yeah. Um, I, so I want to just ask you about something. You said um, that he's about to go and, they're, you know, they're all as bad as each other. Do, do you genuinely think uh, the others are as bad as him? Yeah. As bad yeah. as him. I mean, they're bad, but are they as bad as him? Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, maybe worse because they're just good at acting like they're not. They're just better yeah. at acting like they're not. I think the one thing about Boris was at least he's like, um, he wears I am a prick on his sleeve, doesn't he? Like, I mean, he's just unapologetically, yeah, I'm doing this and I don't really care what any of you, anyone else thinks. I mean, I, like, I don't think he does that purposely, by the way. I think he does that because he's thick. But um, I don't think any anyone else in the Tory party is any better than him. And I'd probably say I don't even think many in the Labour Party are either. Well, let, let's, um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> um, your boy Richie, as you like to call him, Richie Sunak. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He, Did you see uh, the video I sent you of him at Wayne Lineker's club, by the way? <laughs> it looked a lot like him, didn't it? No, it, was, it is him. It's not him. It's him. It's not him. How do you know it's not him? Because it's not his face. But you need to explain to the listeners what you sent me. Oh, it's, it's a video of him, of Rishi Sunak dancing at Wayne Lineker's club. Are you sure it's not him? It's, de- it's definitely not him. But hey, we all, we all <laughs> my brother same, will be, we? My older brother Luke will be listening to this, right? And he told me, <laughs> no, it's definitely him. Nah, it's not. Fuck it. I'm 35 and still taking my older brother's word for it as gospel. Mate, you got mugged off there. Sorry. <laughs> Do you really gonna... think... That's possible. Do you really think Rishi Sunak was at Wayne? I mean, Gary Lineker party, maybe, but Wayne Lineker's party? Come on, now, now that you think about well, do you it. Know, no, no, no. Do you know why I thought it, well, it must be him? Because I thought he'd get in a lot of shit if he said that, it, if he just tagged an Asian man and said, there you go, it's Rishi Sunak at, at my club. I thought he'd get a bit of stick for that. Yes. That's what def- I thought. So I thought well, it must be Rishi him. Sunak. Huh? Let me ask you something. Rishi Sunak, yeah. Do you think um, do you think he would make a good prime minister? Now no. that he's out of Boris's shadow. No, no, I don't remotely so, think he'll make a good one. So who do you think is going to win? Um, don't know. I see the two favourites today. It's two women, isn't it? The two favourites. No, he's one of the favourites. And then oh, is a, he? The, yeah, oh, is he? A, I think um, a lady called Penny Mordaunt. Mordaunt. I think he spent so many millions on like PR campaigns and trying to look good and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't think he'll make a good prime minister. I don't think anybody in the Tory party will. I think they're all idiots. No, <laughs> <laughs> look, prime I'm, minister. I, uh, pardon, do you think he'll make a good prime minister? Uh, good question. Um, I think he is um, probably... Okay, so no, I don't think he'll make a good prime minister. I think he's probably the best candidate for the job in terms of experience and, and what he's kind of operated at, at a global scale uh, compared to the other candidates. None of them represent change in my mind. But I, I did want to talk to you about something. There are 11 candidates that are standing for this um, Tory leadership to be prime minister. Okay. Six of them are from minority backgrounds. Mm. Um, so six out of 11. So that's over 50% for you, the mathematician. Um, if you, if you look at Labour's shadow cabinet, there are only four visibly, um, uh, ethnic minority uh, ministers in the shadow cabinet. So, is the Tory party the more progressive party of the two, Josh? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know who the four are in the shadow cabinet of Labour? Uh, yes, I do. Why do you need to know? I just want to know what sort of people uh, they are. Shabana Mahmood. 
She's a national campaign coordinator. David Lammy uh, from Tottenham, my ends. Uh, there's a lady called Rosina Aline Khan. She's the Shadow Minister for Mental Health. She sounds all right. Shadow and then Preet Corgill, Shadow Cabinet Minister for International Development. Brilliant. Never heard of any of them. Um, <laughs> um, look, what I would say is I don't know enough. I don't know enough about these um, ministers, if I'm honest with you, to be able to formulate a proper opinion on them. However, I've seen a few posts on LinkedIn from people of colour that are saying that these are not representation of any type of progression in this field. And having read the posts, I would probably tend to agree with them. Uh, the only one I can take is that I do know enough about um, is the bully. What's her name? Pretty. Pretty Patel, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she's any, she's not a representation of being progressive, not remotely. Um, I... I was being facetious because obviously, you know, I don't see them as the pro more progressive party. But what it does point to is, is I guess, Labour isn't as um, developed from a from a from an inclusion perspective as you might want to believe, or they might, you know, um, they might kind of purport themselves to be. You know what I mean? How so big? I, how big's this shadow cabinet? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, you know. I think it's. Uh, uh, yeah, like it's it's about uh, twenty five. I would say, I'm just okay. sort of doing it visually, maybe a bit more. Um, I think the point the point I'm saying is is that there needs to be there is needs to be more representation. And of eleven candidates that are running for prime minister of this country, you know, if six of them are um, are you know from ethnic minority backgrounds. You, you might hate what they represent, but to people like me, that's quite an interesting visual, you know? Um, and the the party that I align more with doesn't feel like it, it, it has as many, it, it has as much depth. Now, um, there are more uh, MPs um, from ethnic minority backgrounds within Labour, but I guess what I'm saying is it's leadership that needs to be represented, right? And that's a microcosm of society, right? In 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 work, in business, in organizations, you still have not enough people of color in leadership positions. And so when mm. you look at, say, something like the um, the leadership for the country, there's still so much work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, there's no doubt about that. Do you think despite the fact that I think we probably both agree that the candidates that have, that are forward in how many people have are running to become prime minister, did you say 11, 11 like five yeah. or six of them are people yeah. of color. Yeah. Being that they are the five or six people that they are, is it a step forward or, 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 or is it like a, as a step back would probably be the wrong term, but is it, is it, is it, is it a positive thing or could it potentially be more damaging? For, for that conversation that you've just brought up there? I, I don't think it's more damaging to see more, uh, you know, more people of colour, you know, trying to be the prime minister of the country. I think the individuals themselves are totally individualistic and out for their own, you know, for, the, for, for power. And, you know, they are representing, you know, the Tory party um, in the worst of times. So, you know, that, that can't be progressive. Um, but I think just, you know, optically... Um, just to see more more Asian people, black people uh, going for positions of authority and leadership is a good thing, just not those ones. So it's a hard question to answer, but you know, is there overall, anything? Sorry, go no, on. Overall, it's not progressive. No. Do, do you of, think that do, does that point to anything that if they are all you said individualistic? Um, I call Pretty Patel a bully. Like, if they're like, does that point to anything that? You know, like to make it there, you have to be a certain way, whereas you probably wouldn't have to if you weren't a person of colour. Have I made sense there in the question? Does it point to anything or is that just coincidental uh, that it's happened ooh, within the Tory party? Uh, and I mean, I think to be at the top of, uh, it's hard to be honest at the top of politics. And Yeah, that's I true in kind, any case, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, honestly, I don't think... Uh, I think 
just you know pretty patel just seems to just be a just a very dislikable human being you know i just think mm. it, it's wired in her dna and um yeah i just i don't think it's necessarily to do with her color uh i don't know i'm making an assumption there but i just think she's just not a very nice person yeah no yeah no i'd agree with that it does you know on the whole away from you know take any color out of it i do think that is a problem in politics in that you you know I think it would be very difficult to get yourself to a position of power through sort of, I don't know, like love and compassion and I don't know, all the things that you'd like to see in a, in a decent leader. It feels like it'd be very hard to get yourself into that, you know, those 11 spaces anyway. Do you think that just in this country or just in general, you know, anywhere in the world? Um. I think it's true in this country. Yeah. Um, I don't know about any other countries. To I be mean, honest with you me. know, I, I think in America it seems quite true. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand. Yeah, that was the first person I thought of. Yeah. Yeah, she she you know, and then I think I can't remember the 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 the, the name of the uh, prime minister um, of is it Norway? I think. Um, uh, but one of the Scandinavian countries, she's quite young and, you know, you know, interesting, both, both female, but bring more em- empathetic, compassionate leadership uh, driven by kind of um, wanting to do right for their people as opposed to their party. Um, but I do think like major capitalist societies like the, U- like the, you know, the US and here, I think it's very difficult to, to be an honest citizen and, and, rise to the top I just don't think it's possible yeah because we we sell this sort of individualistic dream as well don't we to people that you can be anything that you want to be you know in America the great American dream anyone can be president and here it's the same in England we're sort of teaching we teach young people that you know it's all down to you if you put the work in you can be anything that you want to be when actually that isn't true and to make it to the top you have to kind of almost be this dog eat dog individualistic type of person within politics anyway at least to me i think it looks like that might be changing in business maybe do you think so what makes you think that um because i think if you look at like particularly and i'm going to generalize here but the people of us a younger age that are in leadership roles within organizations that I work with don't lead necessarily with a dog eat dog uh, mentality. They do lead with way more of a love and compassion and an open mindedness. And I'm not just young people necessarily. I am working with more and more organizations that are genuinely uh, are open um, to a different way of doing things. So I don't know. I see that it could be a little bit of an echo chamber in terms of the people that I work with and the people that are drawn to work with me and all that kind of stuff. But do do you not see it? Do you think? Yeah, it's true? I mean, I, I think there's definitely been a move uh, towards it in the last few years. My again, I think we, you and I, both are kind of um, networked around kind of people that we lean in, lean into. I probably mm. don't work with organisations that don't, you know. Um, frame things with a positive psychology or look at things like vulnerability and creating safe space and things like that um no there are a few you know of course that just don't it doesn't resonate with as much Mm. um but i'm I'm curious as to what you think like we're about to head into um i mean we're probably you know in the beginnings of a a big global recession it's probably going to head uh, into territory that hasn't been seen for a long, long time, right? There's going to be job. There's going to be. I mean, there are lots of layoffs going on, but it's going to get worse. Pr- energy prices, uh, the cost of living, everything is increasing at a dramatic rate. Um, you know, I think that uh, work is going to get harder, and there are going to be a lot of people outside of work. Therefore, do you think in those times people are going to lean more into what they've been doing, or do you think they're going to retreat back to this sort of you know, just got to, you know, just got to get it done and get your head down type thing. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think in times of struggle, when you do go into survival mode, you're less likely, you're less likely to be in love and compassion, right? For let's call it that just for a second for want of a better term. 
And I think when you're in our, when you are in survival mode, you do have a tendency to go into this dog eat dog kind of, I need to look after myself. That's what you do when you're drowning, right? You, you don't, when you're drowning, you don't think, how can I save the person over there? You think I need to save my, save myself. So I think in times of struggle that that stuff does come back out. Yeah. Um, and I do think as things get more difficult, we're going to see a lot more of that, right? I do, like, I just feel with this big recession and everything that you say coming and the, the difficulties of the cost of living and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, man, there could be an uprising very, there could be an uprising soon. Like you are pouring, if, if, if you wanted an uprising or something like that, yeah, you are pouring all of the ingredients into the bowl at the moment. Do you not oh, think? I mean, my, uh, a friend of mine, I was talking to recently and he thinks it's a tinderbox. You know, he thinks with all of the cuts that have been going on to policing, uh, the, the vilification of the people at the, um, kind of the most suffering parts of society, t- making them sort of turn in am- amongst themselves. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the cost of living, the lack of jobs, the job losses. Um, uh, I th- he thinks that there's, there's just, it's, it's going to erupt pretty soon, you know? Yeah. And so, so it, it, it could happen. And I think, you know, just to go back to what you were saying is, um, you know, when you are in sort of times of growth and things are going well and your economy's thriving, um, if the economy's thriving, then um, say businesses that invest in other businesses are investing freely. What's happening now is even like you know the tech darlings that were being invested in um, are uh, you know I saw yesterday that Klarna, uh, you know the kind of tech company that was that takes payments it used to be valued at 47 billion last year and it's now i think valued at 7 billion wow and that's still big money but not in the scheme of what it was right so yeah. and so all of these companies are um are sort of um not investing and so when when the investors aren't investing the ones that were spending money on these sorts of things, it's these sort of modern businesses that are more inclined to be spending things um, on on people's kind of well-being and mental health. When they're starting to let go of people and cut costs, um, that's just going to get worse. So, so actually, you know, the first thing to go in these in these times is is the the additive stuff, right? Yeah. And so I think uh, I think we're going to see you know a, a lurch towards the other side, which is just you know, it's not going to be very nice. Yeah. So how, so in those moments, how do we take care of ourselves? Like you're saying, right? Like uh, if you see someone else drowning and you're drowning, you're going to not want to drown yourself. But there's sort of something that if you sort yourself out first, we talk about put your own oxygen mask on first, right? As, an, mm. as a metaphor. If you're both struggling and suffering, you have to figure out what you need first and then go and help the person next to you. Right. So yeah. how do you how do you do that? Like if you suddenly have all of the things that were there presented to you as gifts, quote unquote, they're taken away. All of the support is taken away. Yet you 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 are one of the ones that still has some work, but there's a lot more pressure. How do you how do you take care of yourself? You know what I'm thinking of in my head, like is uh there's one part of me that's always a little bit cautious to hand all the power into you and go we need to take because then the people in power start winning right because you have to but i also recognize that we do need to be able to we we have to try and do something yeah and then if an armageddon was coming right uh the people that might survive that would be the ones that would make their home safe yeah and make sure they stored up all of the things that they needed so stored up loads of food within the house yeah and all that kind of stuff and I think if we look at it like that and look at ourselves like that, not that there's a Armageddon coming, right? But to, to use the analogy that when everything else around us is breaking away and it's not going to be able to support us, what sort of things can we do to ourselves? And for me, that becomes about making sure that I've got the basics in my life. Yeah. So making sure that I'm nurturing now and now more than ever should be making sure that I'm nurturing and looking after my real close connections. So be that, you know, if you've got a family, then it's your family. Um, if you live on your own, then it's the people that are close to you. Um, 
So building and or nurturing the close relationships, right? Because when everything, if everything else is gone, right? You know, when we're in that situation, then you need them around you, right? And you need to, those bonds need to feel secure and safe. The second thing is um, knowing what you need on a daily basis. So knowing your emotional needs. And it's really important when we say emotional needs, yeah? I'm not talking about desires. I'm talking about your needs. What do you need emotionally? Um, for me, my needs are my routine in the morning, right? So making sure that I know that I'm doing the basic fundamental things for me. That's, you know, breath work slash meditation in the morning and the evening. Um, and then also is making sure that we are looking after our bodies and feeding it in the right way. Um, I'm not just talking food wise, I'm talking what we feed through our eyes and what we feed through our mouths and all that kind of stuff. Um, I try not to, when I think about this stuff, to even remotely separate my body from my mind and just say, what am I feeding my, my whole self? So I guess there's three key things that we could do or you could do. Yeah. And it's a great reminder because actually I, um, I, um, I, realize that even though you talk about breath work all the time <laughs> do i fucking hell, mate. Uh, we should do a word count on this podcast um uh no but no but the point the point is like i think i tuned out if i'm really honest it's not that i don't value it it's not that i don't see all the stuff that you uh um do that is really great sort of almost felt like probably oh this that's the stuff that sorts other people out but yeah. funnily enough, it's really been coming at me lately and it's really resonating. And it's like, I was just listening to Rangan Chatterjee, um, his podcast, not as good as 115 miles, but not a bad one. Um, close second. Yeah. yeah, close second. But, um, and uh, he was just, you know, it's like saying, you know, bre breathing, breath work, like any anyone has access to it and he's absolutely right so it, when you're feeling like completely overwhelmed and stuck and i know we've talked about this before it doesn't cost any money it's free it's there whenever you need it and it was just like and i as i was walking in got a busy day got a busy week i just i was just conscious of just my breathing as i was walking in and it just made such a huge difference mm. and so in those moments you can really really take you know, when you're feeling, you know, majorly out of control, you can, you can definitely um, take some comfort from that in that it's always there. It, it, it's always at your fingertips. It's always there. Exactly. And it should be, it's a basic human um, function, right? It doesn't have to be this like spiritual woo-woo thing, right? And that's one of the things I've been really big on since I've started doing it and talking about it is people think it's, um, like this kind of spiritual practice and it can be, but it don't have to be. Mm. So I mean, it can really just be, uh, a ba it is a basic human instinct. I woke up today, I had a banging headache this morning. Um, I came in, I came in the office and I put on a couple of songs and I didn't follow any routine of how I breathed, but I just focused on my breath and, and, it, it, like I had to push myself a little bit. So I put on music and I thought, right, I'm going to go for at least two songs here. And I, this, this morning I did some gentle breathing in through my nose and elongating the exhale. And it just works, man. It just mm. works. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and anybody can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, th that's the thing that I really, it really struck me today was just any, anybody can do it at any time. Like yeah. uh, it doesn't solve everything for everyone. Let's just be really clear. But it 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 definitely is something that everyone needs to try. So I want to ask you a question. Um, when was the last time you felt out of control? Um, I I regularly feel out of control uh, in raising my children, particularly my children that have got parents in a different home yeah yeah so yeah. when i'm trying to raise children with a parent let's uh let's say sees things very differently to me and does things very differently uh that can make me feel very out of control and what's it what what does it feel like being out of control um 
it can be very scary. Um, it can be very like physically, if I think about how it feels in my body, um, lots of like, um, shakiness, pins and needles, tightness in my chest, worry, fear. Um, it can make that my reaction to that can be to become quite frantic. Um, uh, I will often use anger, defensiveness. Yeah, so I become a version of myself that becomes quite uh, overprotective. Yeah, I um, I asked because uh, la- you know, last week at the end of the week, uh, well, you know, I-, I felt like you know, I got a bit of news from a friend that just kind of t- t- basically took the control out of my highly controlled state and Mm. it just it just sort of sent me into a bit of a spin over the weekend and um and as i've talked about this in the past right like to the untrained eye like you wouldn't see any different really Mm. but um but to the ones closest to me they'll definitely feel that like I, i liken it to like a cat sort of lashing out uh, you know do you know what I mean um and uh, and I felt like I was out of control and I normally you know you know how important it is for me to kind of feel like I'm in control of things and it felt like to me that um you know I didn't really know how to kind of reground and it just it just reminded me of uh, a coaching phrase that I often use is you know when you're feeling out of control, the only thing you can focus on is what you can control. Mm. Control the controllables. Because we spend so much energy on all the things that are outside of our control, yet we can't really do anything about it. Sometimes we can influence it. Sometimes we can persuade others. But if you zone in on what you can control, right, the things that you can change or adjust, then that is the right way to kind of spend your energy. And that was like a, like a, that was the thing that snapped me out of my fog really. Um, How did you get there? How did you get there? So, so you're in this feeling of being out of control, right? How did you take yourself? Is there, or is there anything you can pick out or was it just a moment, but how did you take yourself from feeling all over the place like you did and just, you know, being stuck in this feeling of being out of control how did you shift yourself to right? Let me get back to controlling the controllables. Um, I think uh, I think my empowering context. Yeah. So like, like I'm unpacking that is basically when there's a lot of swell going on, um, you sort of feel like I felt like I was trying to grab onto like what am I trying to kind of make from this? Now one of the things I think is one of my strengths is I'm able to like rush. Ref, I reflect. And then rationalize very quickly and I can get to decision pretty quickly. So um, what I realized is that I needed to kind of get to like, you know, my, my big why as quickly as possible. And that's what it was. And then it was in that moment that I was able to go, okay, um, you know, these are the things that are in my control. This is what, you know, I can do. This is what I need to, you know, to kind of move this thing forward. And that's what, what I've done. There's a load of stuff that I can't control. The other thing that made me think uh, that, I, that I thought about was um, um, a book called The Four Agreements, which is by Don Miguel Ruiz. And we use The Four Agreements a lot in, in our uh, teamwork, uh, as you might know. Um, but The Four Agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally. Always do your best. And I can't remember the fourth one. Um, <laughs> That's always the way, good. by the way. When, I like, I like, whenever I like you bring four agreements. things like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, don't make assumptions. Yeah, that was the fourth one. And yeah. yeah, the book is a spiritual book. It was a bestseller. And uh, we use it kind of in our it, when we're working with teams as a way to kind of uh, bring some sort of, um, you know, commitments to each other uh in in kind of showing up but the the thing that i really zoned in on as well was don't take anything personally i was making it all about that person um and the impact on me but actually uh, it was really about what that person needed and so i was able to kind of move through that pretty quickly um but uh yeah for for you know for the weekend i was in a i was in a spin and you know i didn't re- i didn't even really know what was going on until i was able to kind of come through it 
Yeah, I do. I do like a similar version. It is controlling the controllables, but I call it going back. Like I go, I always, I have this term, like operation back to basics, because often when things start feeling out of control in general of me and my life, I start trying all these spangly things. Yeah. Oh, right. Let me go and try and I'm going to do a breath work with the ice bath and I'm going to stick it on the top of a hill and do it there. Right. And that'll be the thing. Cause I, I, that's where my head goes. Right. When I'm all, when I'm out of it. And when I go back to basics, it's a bit like in football terms, if you use a football analogy, if you ask any manager where, who were getting really beat badly at half time, if they manage to turn it around the second half, ask any manager, what did you do at half time? It won't be right. We got the tactical board out and we did said, Dilida. it was, I told everybody, win your first, win your first tackle, win the first ball and play a five yard pass. Go back to Simpors. Let's get everything right first. And then we build on there. Mm. And so when I'm feeling very out of control in general in my life, a bit like what I just talked about, if there was an Armageddon coming, right? I go back to basics. What do I yeah. know works? Breath work in the morning, exercise in the morning, routine in the evening, be with the people that matter. Go back to basics. Focus on nothing else but doing them for the next week. And if you do and you achieve that and you do those basics, by the end of next week, you'll be able to go on to the other stuff because you'll be way more back in control. Um, yeah. There's a there's a saying, um, it's, it's, a, it's a quote from an unnamed uh, US Marine, but it says, when the shit hits the fan, we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our training. That's why we train so hard. Mate, I love that. Isn't I that, love that. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. And, and yeah, that's yeah. it, isn't it? It's like, it's like what you were saying there is in, when, it's, when it's going bad, you don't try and rise to it and just suddenly go, oh, we're going to find this new system of working, but actually we go back to the things that, that our level of training. Yeah. So hard. Mate, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That, and that is, that's the reality. And it, and it works by the way, you know, the simple yeah. stuff is what we need in these, in these difficult moments. What do I know works? Let me go back to basics. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened at the, you know, at the weekend, I just went back to the level of my basics, which is, this is the, this is one of the th control, the controllables is one of the things I talk about in coaching all the time. Ask anyone I coach, I've been doing it for years and, um, uh, that's it. You just got to kind of zone in on that stuff. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you a really, really important question now. You ready? Okay. I feel like this might be a joke the way you've set this up. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a joke now. Anyway, I want to know what your favorite ice cream is. It's being the, the, the heat wave that it is. Mint chocolate chip. Oh, mate. We agree on one thing. That's Is brilliant. that your favourite ice cream? Yeah. Always. It's got everything. Refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Robin, my son, he can't he can't be with ice cream. Hates it. Even on a hot day. Well, and he won't eat it. What? Has he got sensitive teeth though? No, it's nothing to do with his teeth. He just doesn't find it a a, a, a thirst quencher. And do you know what? He's right. If you think about it, ice cream doesn't quench your thirst. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever. You better be careful not to insult my I don't son know now. Like... I don't know if I've ever thought it does. I've never thought I'm thirsty. I love an ice cream. You want to cool yourself down, and usually that's like I want to cool myself down so you quench thirst. I don't know, but Fuck anyway, are you all right? I'm all right, but I know you. You're you're controlling all your controllables not to insult my son on the uh, on the podcast. Aren't no, you? your son's right. Your son's right. It's you that's the idiot. What he How shouldn't have idiot? to because he shouldn't have to explain to you that ice cream don't quench your thirst. He probably does like ice cream. You only ever offer him one when he says he's thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting it wrong. Oh mate, my parenting skills. I need to go back to basics. <laughs> um yeah, no. Uh on that note, yes, I, I think a lot a lolly or an ice cream, if you had a choice though. Ah. Okay, well now we're getting into the realms of if I am hot and thirsty, I might think to myself, I'm going to have a lolly. What lolly? A lolly Would is you... a wholly different thing to an ice cream has. <laughs> yeah. And thus a different conversation. Them 10p uh, ice lollies. I... Ice pops. Ice pops. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're, they're good when you're thirsty. 
Do you remember the ones that used to get, they used to snap and then you couldn't get shit out of them because the top of it was just too thin? Yeah, they still sell them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Reasons okay. to be cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> Are we there already? Reasons yeah, to be there. cheerful. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got, um, I've got two reasons to be cheerful. Mm. Uh, the first one, did you watch the football last night? I didn't watch Oh, fucking hell. By the way, am I going first? <laughs> yeah, you are now. <laughs> did you watch the football last night? I didn't watch the football last night. So it was England-Norway, ladies, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It, I'm surprised you didn't get tickets. It was in Brighton, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. Anyway. Um, it was supposed to be a big game. Difficult game for England, right? They yeah. beat. They won their first game one nil. I don't know if it, against Austria. I watched that as well. And then uh, they this this Norway game was the big test, and they needed to make a bit of a statement. Have you seen the score? Is it eight nil or something? Eight or nine. Yeah, nil? they needed to make a statement, and they were wow. six nil up at half time. Wow! And it was proper like when you were watching it. Yeah, it was like yeah. I just love it when that happens in sport. Uh, I tell you what, I, t- I tell you one thing, and it says a lot about me, I guess, you know, because I am a football fan. I just haven't really um, engaged with it. So it says, I have to say, it says a bit about me. Why am I not engaging with it? But also, I think just like the media hasn't really been covering it in the way that it would if it was men playing in a tournament. I guess the only the only media I really listen to is talk sport, and they talk about it all the time on there. Ah, uh, okay. So right. I don't have any yeah. of the news stuff. Um, so yeah, look, that's the that's the first one. Yeah, how brilliant. well England did yesterday, yeah. and I might you know do a big post on that later on on LinkedIn about how much I like watching women's football and really virtue signal the fuck out of it because that's what you, that's what LinkedIn's about. Yeah, do it. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was good, and I was actually I was a little bit disappointed because. Um, I don't know if you're a member, you're, you're probably not. I'm a member of the FA. So whenever tickets come up, they go on there. But the tickets for this were because this is delayed, right? Should have been last year, I think. Mm. So when the tickets come up, I wasn't really in a position to want to start getting tickets for it. Yeah. I remember sort of um and ahhing on it. But like if, it had, if the tickets had come up more recent, I'd have got tickets. Not in Brighton, shithole, but I'd have gone to Old Trafford. <laughs> not like Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I would have, I would love to, I mean, it would have been lovely to come to Brighton yesterday to watch that. Anyway, that's the first one. The second one is, um, a good, uh, like a connection on Instagram replied to one of my stories, uh, recently and not recently, a little while ago when I said that I liked the Saw Doctors, which are an Irish band. Yeah. Um, and he just replied and said, oh, I know them. I know the guys, um, they're touring England this year. If you'd like to go i can get you tickets and um i was like yeah sweet mate if you can get me tickets i'll be banging anyway didn't hear nothing back and then he came back to me yesterday and he's got me on the guest list backstage passes meet the band and everything wow uh yeah in november so i was well happy about that um so i get to go me and my wife are gonna go in november what where is it where are they playing O2, brixton London. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's a decent sized venue. Yeah, man. So, and he just messaged. So, like, good people exist. He, he just messaged me out of the blue, voice note, said, Here, mate, sorry, I took me ages. I was going to do his Irish accent because he's Irish. Uh, it took me ages to come back on this, but um, yeah, got you some, I've got you those tickets. You're on the guest list, you plus one. Uh, you'll be able to go backstage and meet all the band afterwards and stuff. Yeah. What a legend to just do that. That's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. Yeah, so I can't wait, mate. I've been watching them since I was a child. Been to really? see them live loads of times. I, I, I've heard, I know the name of the band. I've no, I don't think I've ever listened to any of their music. It's Irish, they're Irish folk music. So like in Ireland, they're a bit of a household name. I mean, over here. I should know it then, shouldn't I really? Yeah, I know it's your favourite genre, isn't it? You're a massive Pogues fan. <laughs> well, no, I'm just... I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> I have Irish family. <laughs> Like, yeah, I know you do. Yeah, but yeah, your your wife would probably know them. Yeah, she will. Yeah, so you should really brilliant. So November when? November what? When are you going? I think it's like the nineteenth tw- or the twenty fifth. Brilliant. I'm going to see Kendrick Lamar in November as well at the O2. I don't know who that is. Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. What, oh, what okay. does he sing? What does he sing? I will know it. What does he sing? 
He's he's a rapper. He's a rapper. Josh, oh. you know Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> what does he rap? <laughs> I'm going to send it to you because I'm not going to. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, mate. Brilliant, mate. Two wonderful reasons to be cheerful. My reason to be cheerful is I don't have one. So I'm going to make one up on the spot. And it's just. But you need to take this podcast seriously. <laughs> it's just talking to you, Josh. <laughs> just really. No, I am. Um, no, I. I. Uh, uh, my reason to be cheerful is um, the sunshine. <laughs> um, have you enjoyed this conversation today, Josh? <laughs> I have actually. Yeah, it's been it's been good. I wonder if people would have expected me to rant a little bit more about Boris Johnson. Yeah, you weren't. Feel, you weren't taking bit, the bait. Yeah, I feel ranted out on him. Like, what else can you? How many more ways can you find to call somebody a moron? Yeah, and it's done now. It's a bit like the man's going. You can't. You, you know, he's done. He's yeah. He's done. Yeah, I'd never kick a man when he's down. <laughs> yes, you have. I've, <laughs> I've seen the video footage. <laughs> uh, but Keir Starmer, you can turn. You can really. Uh, you can turn on him now. Oh, thank God. Yeah, way. Let's get Keir Starmer in. He's going to change the world, isn't he? Um, Josh? He's like you. He's a closet Tory. How am I a closet <laughs> Tory? Oh, mate. We're going to have to save that one for next time. <laughs> um, so, uh, Josh, I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. We shall. I have. See I'm back each in the other studio again. in a couple of weeks' time. I'll see you there. Can't wait. Uh, and very much look forward to it. See you then. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.